0: Welcome to the Listen to Your Footsteps podcast. I'm your host, Kojo Buffon, and this podcast is an extension of my book, also called Listen to Your Footsteps, which is a collection of essays, reflections, and poetry on things like fatherhood, identity and belonging, growing up, creativity, and the lessons learned. The purpose of this podcast is to gain insight and learn from the journeys that others have taken. I explore the worlds of art, culture, design, business, creativity, and life from the perspective of Africans who are contributing to the redefinition of the continent and who we are. My guest for today is Ken Kwekunimo, a researcher, brand strategist, I think also designer, fashion business business consultant, and now author of the recently published book, African Fashion. Uh, welcome, Kwekunimu. Thank you for having me, Kwekunimu. So the question I asked you before, and I want to
1: ask you again, where are you? I am currently in London. I was here to launch my book, Africa Invention. And I should be reverting back to my base in Kipkos Ghana sometime next week.
0: How did the London thing come about? So I'm um, look I know you have a you're from Ghana, you have a relationship with South Africa, right? Mm. And so when you came and you launched a book in South Africa, it it kind of made sense. And also, being having recently been published, it's not easy to get places to launch your book. So how did you end up
1: in London to launch the book? My publishers are British, and so ah, okay. um, that's the first connection. I published with Lawrence King, which is now called Quakers Books. And Quakers is an imprint of the, the UK's second largest publishing company called Hachette London okay. and so that is the first connection but also after we did after the book was released sometime back in May I always felt the need to do physical events with the sole purpose of connecting with what I call my community mm. and getting to meet people and getting feedback in person people who've already purchased or gotten copies of the book or people that that felt they wanted to meet me and that has panned out pretty well in my past at least this is the third book launch has panned quite well meeting and engaging and connecting with people that really are passionate about the work that i've done and are almost becoming evangelist, if I should use that word, Mm. because they they meet you in person and they want to pass on the word and talk about how the book has impacted them, their lives, and, you know, like, yeah, basically.
0: I mean, I guess you were fortunate in terms of the timing, even though I know this, this book has been a long time coming because, you know, at least it's come out when the world has slightly opened up. I mm. launched I launched my book in the middle of in the middle of the pandemic in the middle of lockdowns and it was mm. it was an interesting exercise
1: yes that's very true i i would say that that's been quite a good coincidence um, with the timing but also the world is not just open for travel but in the light of the incredible things that are happening around african fashion particularly the the subject matter the world well, is also quite keen to learn and hear more about what is happening on the continent in terms of what well, our creative, you know, cultural advancements and all, and all that's happening, basically, especially in not just design and art, but also fashion. Hmm. I have had the opportunity, to, for example, to visit the popular and uh, critically acclaimed exhibition at the v which is African fashion, and I was blown away, very much impressed with the interest and the engagement. Beyond that, my travel to London has also given me the opportunity to connect, especially as a researcher, to connect and share quite a significant chunk of my findings and engagement with the designers. Well, the academic community right here mm. in London uh, have had the privilege to visit at least four universities, had the opportunity to speak and engage with students, postgraduate students in management, in commercial fashion, in, in retail. And generally, their interest has been overwhelming. And so, yes, I think it's also a time where there's a lot of interest in this very specific subject matter of African fashion. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I would say that I've been um, lucky twice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Where does this relationship with fashion come from? I mean, you talk about, you know, a boy from
1: Cape Coast. I've always had this creative affinity for design and art. And since my junior high school years, I would always participate in in endeavors that were related to the art and design. However, during my senior high school days, I sort of like deviated a bit, due perhaps due to the absence of, you know, like adequate guidance or, you know, like the right counsel in terms of career. I ended up reading a whole different program, economics, mathematics, geography, etc on my way to the university major in economics and mathematics but this hunger for the creative side of me never died off. Sometime in my university years I began creating, I basically designing and doing printed t-shirts. Um, I had I uh, begun a collection that featured it's like a sports collection that featured a basketball, this huge, incredibly huge basketball, printed the a T-shirt, mm. you know, like I'm basically targeting the active community and the university, and it caught on really well. Fast forward, I completed university and started off my own business. I engaged in screen printing, digitized embroidery, and after a decade in that, uh, having grown my business, to quite um, a profitable one. I was itching to do something more. I felt that I wanted to do something more challenging. That's where I began looking around, trying to find what my next was going to be. And naturally I gravitated towards fashion. I said, okay, look, here I have an opportunity to get back to school and this time around I'm going to make sure that it's going to be something I'm passionate about and so I enrolled at the program in Joburg that's in 2016. I applied to Lyself. I was admitted unbeknown to me the program that I opted for you know I just wanted to coming to South Africa Mm. very quickly, just spend a year at most, I returned to Ghana to, you know, to start to get back to business because my business was still running. I had rather opted for a research postgraduate honors in fashion. (laughs) And, And so, yeah, I fell into that. But I also, once I began, noticed that it was quite an interesting niche that didn't have a lot in terms of and it also sort of like suited my background anyway and so even though i was not at that point in time in fashion as a designer i was as close as one could get to the craft and to the discipline but then i could also use my background my knowledge in, in economics and mathematics, you know, to to now research and explore a subject that I was passionate about. Mm. And that's how come yeah. I, I, I found my way into yeah. into fashion. My knowledge and expertise also got me into experimenting basically and putting to work what I had learned in the classroom. Mm. I'm not sure if I told you um that Towards the end of my MA at the University of Johannesburg, I set up a store, a retail store, a menswear retail store. A menswear has always been something that I've been passionate about. And I was, of course, keen and I was following you while you were at GQ. (laughs) So yeah, menswear definitely was something that I was so passionate about, and so I began MSW store retail store in Melville where it was not so much about even my own brand or my own design I had a brand of course an in-house brand of course but more importantly I, I would also consult with other designers mm-hmm. and get a few more brands other brands where I would consult Hello. in both product and basically product development and also help them to access markets. Yeah, And so it became something like a concept store of a sort where I could not experiment with how people would engage with designers and works, mostly artisans that I worked with in West Africa. Mm. Um, But this also just sort of happened right around the time when COVID had, you know, like read its head. And so it had to, at the point in time, sort wow. of reprioritize and focus on my, on finishing my manuscript for the book. Yeah. And so this has been my journey. This has been my, I would say, my journey mm-hmm. in, in fashion, basically. Dabbling mm-hmm. at a, a different points in time. And also I had the opportunity even along, alongside my, academic journey to also intern and work in some incredible companies. I worked once in Luminance um, in Hyde Park. I also worked with a men's wife store in 44 Stanley called Audrin. And yes, it's it's been quite an interesting journey this far. What of course I, I always say makes my journey interesting and unique is the fact that I am um, just as close to the action in terms of, for example, even when I was writing my book and researching for my book, I would spend time with some of the designers and not just observe their practice, but also participate in some of their routine. Mm -hmm. I remember in 2018, a collection, I think it was a spring-summer collection for Marian Fasler. Yeah. and. I spent time close to like two weeks, you know, not just engaging and interviewing herself and her community of artisans and incredible, you know, like creative people, but actually being a part of it and stitching stuff and, you know, like attaching sequins and stuff. I mean, basically doing all of these things. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that makes what I do unique and different. Uh, Because of that, I'm also able to speak to a lot of these issues and a lot of these challenges that these designers face. Because I am somebody that is as close to the industry as possible.
0: I think there's much to be said for recognizing that in every sector, every industry, there are there different there different components or different aspects and different elements. Mm. And and the challenge, I guess, the challenge is that tension tends to be on. Whatever in that particular industry is considered, let's say, the spearhead. So, you exactly. Know, with, within fashion, it's the fashion designer. Within music, it's it's the yes. singer, the singer, the rapper, etc. But we actually need there's a whole bunch of people behind the scenes that you actually need, both kind of both vested and directly linked, but also yeah. to a certain extent neutral. From an African perspective, in particular it's those parts of the industry that we're lacking. Like we don't, we do not lack designers, right? We do not lack the, that kind of creative eye and that desire to create, for example, you know, garments. Like we don't lack, Mm. we don't lack photographers. We don't lack artists. We don't lack, um, you know, musicians. But to a certain extent, we, you know, who's researching, who is, Creating, who's building the studios, who's managing, who's building galleries. And when we first met, I found that to be the most interesting thing. And when you say that you come from, for example, an economics and mathematics background, and you had a business, then it actually makes sense.
1: Yeah. Because you also it's, have to be egoless to a certain extent. 100%. And, and I also noticed something that you make such an important point. And I've said this countless times that... The reason why, to very like, very specifically, the African fashion industry, we struggle um, as a continent to leverage its potential to the fullest is because of the absence of an industry, like a fully-fledged, end-to-end, integrated industry. Mm. And I love the point that you made, and I've made this point myself time and again. I found myself privileged and when I say privilege, I mean, I went out there in, in South Africa, you know, like hoping to be a fashion designer, but returned as a voice for designers across the continent. And that's quite interesting. I had to, at a point in time, acknowledge and recognize the fact that you just made that we did not lack designers. It was not a matter of another designer, and yet another designer, and yet another designer. People are impressed to see what I have done in the past, even with so little training in in design. And yet you had to be, like you said, egoless to learn to say, look, this is not about me. This is also about a greater cause Mm. and contributing to something that is a bit bigger than Mm -hmm. yourself. And of course, that is what I would say has opened doors and opportunities for me everywhere I go. I just I don't speak about my work necessarily. I'm speaking about these incredible designers who are doing so much to foreground Africa and its culture. And so it's then also just to also add to that the importance of having people within professionals within this, highly if i should say this incredible potential of an industry Mm. is one that you know like i can't belabor and sadly that's where we've been lacking recently as a young lady uh, who actually happens to be the younger sister of a friend of mine friend that i studied in johannesburg with sometime back in 2018 and she did her first degree? This young lady did her first degree. Did her LLB actually completed her LLB? But had always had a passion to do something related to, you know, like creativity. Of course, she's she would see her sister, you know, like who was a who's a fashion designer, do a lot of stuff in a creative, you know, like sphere. But then she also had her own interest. Hmm. And soon after completing, I think the LLB in Johannesburg as well. Oh. Guess what? this young lady applied for scholarship and got the opportunity to study fashion communication at Condé Nast and is currently here in London studying fashion communication. Mm. Now that is the future. That for me is beginning to now see interest in this diverse, the diverse aspects of the broader industry. Like you said, we need, expertise in communication. We need expertise in retail. We need expertise in, even need research and development. That's one of the most critical aspects. I always say it is no sheer coincidence that research is always sort of like connected to development because if you're not researching, yeah chances are you're not developing. And so I, I think that it's a slow pace but of course, with time would get there, where we begin to acknowledge the works of people beyond the canon of only the designers, but also the work of archivists, like somebody like myself. I always say this, the last book, for example, of course, this year there is like, my book is the third in a series on African fashion, even not the fourth. But the last book that was done on African fashion was in 2011. How many years? That's hmm. been more than a decade. Yeah. Right? And so that tells you that, of course, in between that period from 2011 to now, brands have come and gone. Brands have, have evolved, but no one told their story. So there's yeah. a missing, uh, what do you call it, gap, basically, that's mm. lost. We may never be able to recover that, maybe except for the works of. <laughs>
0: You are listening to the Listen to Your Footsteps podcast, a podcast in which I chat to Africans from across section of society and sectors, including art, culture, design, business and creativity, to name a few. I delve into their journeys, the decisions they've taken to get to where they are, how they do what they do and everything in between. Essentially, we go wherever the conversation takes us. Because it's about, understa- it's about understanding also, you know, like you're saying, Uh, brands may evolve brands may come and go Mm -hmm. but we to understand we need to we need to be able to contextualize right so um, if if somebody started a brand or somebody started a fashion business and Mm -hmm. it looked like it had the potential to Mm -hmm. really make an impact and all of a sudden it's gone Mm -hmm. we need to understand why why Is, is it a societal thing is it a financial thing is it a personal thing and you know what are the lessons that we can learn that everybody else can learn from that in terms of moving forward but like you're saying with too much with so much time in between i mean if you look at how from the west i mean particularly let's say from the u.s because that's what's front and center in terms of the media that's thrown our way we will know the intricacies of a bunch of different businesses, but mm-hmm. we don't even know the basics of our own business. So much so. So, how do you, how do you, because I know, I mean, when you and I first met, because you'd reached out and yeah, I think you'd sent me, you sent me, a, a or you showed me like an early draft of the book yeah. when you're still trying to figure out what was going to happen and would somebody publish it, et cetera. How have you maintained that focus and that motivation on on carrying it through? And that's obviously
1: one of the biggest challenge: uh, focus and consistency in a writer's journey, in an author's journey. That that I'm sure you can identify with. <laughs> mm. I would say. But I'm also curious
0: that's... about. So I'm also curious about the. Because it's tied to the personal right 100%. because because it's not it's not just a project it's you have responsibilities you have a life that you're living so there's all of these things and it's you're also in you you're exploring an area that is mm. relatively untouched so it has potential but you're also not guaranteed that anything. it'll it, anything. anything will come <laughs> of it right
1: yeah yeah of course in between the times that I'd sit and write i still for example have routines i still have to to live i have i have to find ways of generating income um, because i mean like even with trade publishing where you would conventionally get an advance the advance especially for a new author is not as is not as grand not necessarily newsworthy, I should use that term. And so yes, you do have quite a lot that you'd have to sort of like sandwich in between mm. from you know like from the start of your manuscript until the end. What I would say was a motivation for me was the fact that I I never deviated too far away from the subject matter. I spent a significant amount of time very close to the industry. And I'd always have this conversation time and again when I had the opportunity and when I when I met people like yourself, just like you, you you alluded to earlier. I'd have this conversation with people, and I'd tell them, "Look, there's the work that I'm doing in African fashion," and I'd get the motivation. I mean, I'd get that. I don't know if it's the right term to use as affirmation, but maybe a confirmation that it was an important work Mm. and that i needed to keep going and so that i believe was quite important part of keeping me focused and and keeping me driven being close to the industry and also constantly getting feedback bouncing off the work of people and getting feedback but yeah i also would say i had some of the most incredible moments with some of the designers which was also quite a great, if I should say, resource in itself. Imagine being able to speak to some of these distinguished designers, asking when you 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 needed additional information. Because you, I hope you would agree with me, especially when you're doing nonfiction, you would agree with me that accessing data and accessing information is a very critical part. Yeah. And so, if for example, I encountered hurdles or. I would hit a wall trying to access information, then that would obviously frustrate or would have really sort of impeded my progress. But I would say that it's been quite quite a journey, and it's also been partly because of the support from the fashion design community that's been incredible to, this, to the success of this book. And what about family? I mean, your family. Oh yes, oh yes, oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, I I had that I had that there at the back of at the back of my my head, and then for some reason it just slipped. You're giving my credit to all these desi-
0: all these designers that uh, you just know by association, and then your people, you're quiet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my family. Oh my goodness, I married to an incredible lady who is also you know connected to the creative industry. She is. She's in the hospitality industry and of course the hospitality is closely connected to the creative industry. Mm. Uh, she's a hotelier by profession. And so I had I would say she's she's she was such a bedrock to this whole journey, to this whole process. Just around the time that the manuscript was taking shape, we buried our first daughter, Amma. And Amma is actually when you even read the dedication you know like on um, the very first part of the book you would see that i i mentioned her and i dedicate the book to her i, f- I feel sorry for her because what that means is there's already a huge expectation on a young girl before she's gone <laughs> there is a book <laughs> dedicated to her yeah that's that i can imagine you know it's there's not going to be such a a fun, you know, of course, it's going to be an honor, but I'm sure it's also mm-hmm. going to be a responsibility to do something
0: the by the time she reaches by the time she reaches an age where it's of any concern, um, you know uh, the the book will not be long gone, but the book will uh-huh. for her be yeah. ancient history, even if yeah. it's even if for you it may be current, yeah. so I mean, how yeah. how how has it been? Because now in pushing in pushing the book and in, in doing your work, you're having to spend time away from both your partner, your wife, and mm-hmm. also your child. And, and trying to navigate relationship and building relationship. And I ask that because, so for example, one of the things that I've always been very vocal about was at some stage, I left mm-hmm. a full-time job at Destiny Man, which for many people... Many people thought I was mad because it's like, oh, that's the pinnacle if you're going to be a magazine editor. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a blog post where I said I quit my job for my children oh. because I was never home. And it got to the point where it stopped making sense to me. Mm-hmm. And especially when you know, especially when your children are young. So I mean, my daughter, you know, her Ghanaian name is also Ama, uh-huh. but for her first two years, I did not have a relationship with her because I was never home. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's, you know, I'm trying to get a sense of how it's yeah. been just trying to, you know, tr- try, trying to be there and be present mm-hmm. um, and understand kind of what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a father, yeah. while also building something larger than yourself.
1: Exactly. I mean, first of all, they're the, they're the motivation, uh, family is, is the override and the overarching reason why we aspire to to do a lot or anything at all as as men and as fathers so whenever there's a conflict I mean like to that interest and you rightly put it I mean what is the point in the end when you you reach a pinnacle or you reach um, a stage where your career basically now comes in between that relationship with them, mm. and it gets to a point where, of course, the money, all the money in the world, can of buy the kind of bond that you you need to have with your kids to be able to raise them and to be able to instill values in them and to be able to be a part of them of their lives. It's for me one of the motivations I always want to go back when when I've had the opportunity to travel. I mean, they're they're always. A motivation and a reason that I just want to get done with what I. And I think that I've, for example, I've stayed in London a bit too long, mm. and this was particularly because there was an event that was scheduled to happen sometime next week, but that ultimately also sort of like fell through the cracks. Mm. But of course, I want to go back as 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 soon as it's possible. But I'm always in touch with them. I do my best, especially in this day and age of technology. Yeah, I'm constantly in touch with them. I'll do video calls, and my daughter is so excited. And by the way, I have, I got another. I have a second girl. God seems to be blessing me with girls. Who's and she's iffy and so I've got two little girls. ama I would say, has had some significant time, you know, like in my company, not so much for Effie, mm. um, because she came in just around the time when I began these troubles. And of course, I'm not even sure where, you know, like this train is, is stopping next. But of course, in the age of technology, we make the effort to to connect, to um, to spend significant time on the phone with them Video calling and, and and connecting and at least making them feel that, that I'm present. But yeah, it is. There's is a significant, I should say, challenge you know to navigate. Yeah, I mean, look, video, I, I, video I,
0: calling does make it much easier. It, it does. I, 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 I was traveling. I was traveling in the days when <laughs> it was it was harder to do video calls. And all I hear in yeah. the background is a child going, uh, "Tell Daddy I'm busy." Oh, okay. and you're you're sitting on the other side of the world, oh, missing God. home. And you know, the people at home are just going are going through life. so they're not, you know, you're interrupting a <laughs> you're interrupting a process, <laughs> you know because you're the one that's you're the one that's off in a different place, yeah, and uh, place. and operating outside of the the normal household
1: routine, of course. I mean, the, the veto really makes a difference. I mean, I can't recollect the number of times I will do the video call, and Amma uh, And the moment she would hear my voice, she would leap like, "Daddy, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy!" She'd like of course she can't speak well. She's yeah. two years and and a few months, but she'd be she screaming, "Daddy, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy! Where are you? Where are you?" At least she can scream those. You know, like but she's excited. You know, like um, to some degree, you know. Sometimes I believe that there is some positive to it, you yeah. know. When, for example, things that are close to us we tend to take for granted, and when they are away from us, we're like, oh, "I've been seeing you for so long," <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> and "I just can't wait to see you again," you know. And so, I think that personally, it's it's important that we understand our roles and and of course we, we make the effort we make the effort to be there in any way, anyhow possible, when you know like by virtue of what we do, we we can be at home all the time. Yeah. But of course I've also noticed that the work of, of writing, writing actually is potentially one of the jobs that gets us closest to the home. I mean until i began writing and 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 by the way i also freelance i have done a number of freelance gigs for for vogue and for a couple of other magazines here in the uk and i also currently do copywriting for for a company in the state in the united states but what i also noticed is. Until I began my writing career, I never, I loved books, but I never saw the need to have a full-fledged library and a study area. I'm a researcher, but then I would Mm. spend time behind a regular desk. I just didn't really need to really set up an entire library. But I've done that and I spend a lot of time there at home. That part of the home has literally become the heart of our activities in the house. And I'd have my little girl come around, and I would come around, spend some time with me. I called her my co-author. She'd spend some time with me, you know. Whether it's to distract, whether it's to jump into a Zoom call, <laughs> you know, just make an appearance mm. here and there, you know. Like, but I, I noticed that it gives it's an opportunity to be closer home. Of course, the opportunity comes also to to travel around every now and then but given that to be a routine when you publish a book then you're looking at maybe something that is that that comes up maybe every two or three or who knows maybe even five years in between right especially when you know that it takes a while to do like um, yeah but you're, b- but you're a no.
0: researcher, so now we, we expect mm. we expect the rest the rest of us can take forever to to do books but now <laughs> you're you're supposed to be documenting what's going on so now we're we're waiting for the next we're, one we're waiting for you to we're zoom my, we're waiting for you to zoom mid- into a particular <laughs> into a particular segment or a particular segment uh, s- yeah. a, s- a section of of the industry mm.
1: yeah, what I noticed particularly i my my interest has peaked around not just fashion of course i think that fashion is really interesting and it is something that is very close to home in terms of my passion but i've also grown to be a lot more keen about documenting and writing about culture in general hmm. i mean who is writing about music in Africa, I was writing about all these incredible legends that are, you know, like, I just leave in the scene whether it's because they pass on or, you know, like they, at a point in time, seize their craft. And not just that, but there's a lot in terms of um, documenting and storytelling around African culture and you'd see a lot more work coming from me in that direction in, in, the, in, the, in the coming years. Of course, I do have a major work with a major publishing house that had to be rescheduled uh, until 2026. Mm-hmm. So that manuscript is due for 2026. So yeah, you can see that in the work of an author there are these long haul projects, mm-hmm. but in, in between there are these intermittent projects Whether it's maybe doing a feature, feature for magazines, or doing a short form work that takes a much shorter period, but the most important thing is the pen is is a powerful tool. You know, like and there's no boundary to what you can do with it. Mm -hmm. Basically,
0: I mean, you're you're based.
1: You're based back in Cape Coast, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, itself,
0: is there a reason is, why you, you kind of went back home? Because you could have easily, I mean, you're you're based in South Africa and that would give you certain access, not necessarily the best access, but it, because you had studied here and you were, you were yeah. a bit more entrenched, although you had your business in Ghana, but you're a bit more entrenched in the industry, in the fashion industry in South Africa. Was there a deliberate choice to Go back to Cape Coast, and even just going to yes. even just going to Cape Coast instead of you know everybody assumes, oh, if somebody's going to go back to Ghana, they'll go to Accra. Oh, of course,
1: you would assume that that the landing pad will be Accra yeah. <laughs> if you went back to Ghana and not and not Cape Coast. South Africa, I always say that I overstayed my my welcome in South Africa. Not 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 in the legal terms You know, like I did yeah. not overstay my visa <laughs> I, I meant to be in South Africa for a year Maximum two I did not know I was going to spend five long years in South mm-hmm. Africa But of course it was also because it was a place that Held its own peculiar charm on me However, after finishing my master's degree And the whole typical around the pandemic impacting what i had intended and you know like planned doing with my business and it also at a point in time made very little sense because it was beginning to be expensive mm-hmm. and overly almost overwhelming you know like juggling trying to do so much i you know, trying to end a living trying to just just make sense of life you know like in in a very fast city mm. like Johannesburg, Bank. Ultimately, it made sense to come back home to sort of, especially I got to a point where I felt that I was more distracted than focused. When my deadline, the, the deadline for my manuscript was creeping in on me, I found myself doing a lot, moving around Joburg a lot, engaging with artisans, creating a collection for, my store, retrofitting the store, designing the store, doing this. It got to a point where I felt I was not attending to my core as an author. Mm-hmm. And so it dawned on me that look, all of these incredible things you're doing you. do have potential, but none of them at this point in time in your life hold as much potential as completing this task. And so Coming back to Cape Coast was me just trying to find sanity uh, in terms of moving away from all the distractions and being able to focus. And of course, I had completed my MA. My wife also had completed her MA. She also did her MA in hospitality management at the University of Johannesburg. We both had completed. And she also had gotten a job, interestingly, a job offer her back home in Cape Coast okay and so it made sense that we sort of found our way back which was originally where we both are from she's from Cape Coast I'm also from Cape Coast and so all of these sort of fed into the decision to go back and it worked yeah it worked because I was able to focus I was able to almost you know like away from all the distractions of Fashion week and art fairs and and just a crazy routine my routine literally became I would say like a simple uh, as simple as it was I'd get up drop my daughter in school drop my wife at her workplace come home spend between five to six hours at least five hours focusing on research and reading and writing until I'd have to repeat you know like the opposite of it getting yeah. then back from school and from work and so and compared to the, the cost of living, kept, because also was a lot more easier on our on, 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 our, on our pockets. For example, mm. back in Joburg, we we lived in a two bed apartment that cost us an, an arm and a leg yeah. every month. <laughs> yeah. Every month, with the, hey, the, I'm the, still I'm with, still in Joburg,
0: so I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> I mean, like we're spending in. in This was a 7,000 rand monthly. Luckily, we got somebody to split it with, but even half of that was still a lot of money back in Ghana. Hmm. And that amount, in fact, half of that amount, as I speak with you, is what we pay on the monthly. Half of the 3,500 is what we pay on the monthly for a three-bedroom self-compensation. Like hmm. and it also makes sense so not wild. to go
0: not to better a crack as a just. Like it's just, Not a, of it's, course it's, a it's, it's, it's just even crazy. It's
1: even crazier than Joburg now. It's bit, it's even crazier than Joburg, You know, I mean, I mean, with with some of the practices, such as, you know, like those years in, in advance, paying you know, yeah. very expensive yeah. rents, years yeah. in advance. You know, these these make it even more difficult. And so, yeah, where there is more space, I mean, like where where we are happens to be a place where I definitely want to raise my my kids. Mm. Um, where we have a lot of space, a lot of movement and very clean air. And <laughs> you know, yeah. like um, it's a place that I believe is ideal for, for us as a family. It's 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 an excellent base on author. But also as much as Cape Coast is, and I'm sure a lot of people would, you know a lot of your your audience would now their interest will be peaked into want to know <laughs> about Cape Coast. It has also been that town is not as disconnected from the world. I mean, it was in the early pre colonial and colonial era. In fact Cape Coast was yes, that was a capital. The capital yeah. of Ghana and served also as as the administrative base for many colonial powers, including the Dutch, including the British, and close to six different colonial powers actually had a footprint in Cape Coast. and so you'd see it in the architecture of the town, mm. you'd see it in a lot of it reflecting in the material culture of the people. I always say that's a place that holds some very special, it's a magical place. Of course, it has its own traumas. It has a lot of healing, you know, that needs to happen because of its past mm. as the hub of the, uh, or the ground zero, if I should use that term of the in, in, slave in, trade incorrigible stuff. and, you know, like horrible transatlantic slave trade. Mm. The, buff, the buffers these... come
0: from down the road Elmina. So. Oh, so yeah. some of my people, Elmina. some of my people come from Elmina, so I've, oh, I've been wow. there a couple of times just to, well, to visit, and I've, I've visited St George's Castle. I've never actually gone to the mm-hmm.
1: Cape Coast Castle. Oh, oh well, yeah. I mean, like you definitely have to let me know when you're nesting Cape Coast, and I've had a, I've had the opportunity to meet some incredible people. I mean, tourism wise, it has become the heart of the tourism drive in Ghana. Mm. There's a lot of interest and attraction. The ex-President Obama made a historic visit to Cape Coast. And soon after the city and the new moniker in the entertainment world as Obama City. I'm not sure if you heard it. Uh,
0: that that I haven't heard. I just remember the stadium was improved and the Black Stars play have played there a couple of times. But but I think they I think they must hire you for tourism. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Cape Cape, Cape Coast is the alternative for those people not going to Ghana to party. Yeah. I agree. Because I agree with the, you. Yeah, I guess I, there's I, the, I, there's so much I, more but it feels like the attention exactly. has become has become very kind of narrow minded and very narrow focused. But
1: that's, Exactly That's a story there's, for another day. <laughs> like, that's a story for another day. But of course, I mean like and, and let's and, and I'm happy that we 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 don't lose the point. I mean, the world is we've gotten to a, a point in time where the digital normals, there are people that are looking for Alternative locations, mm. of course, their works don't require them to be physically present. And they're always looking for, for places that are conducive, you know, where living standards are not as cost of living, yeah. uh, I should say, is not as, as crazy. But also it gives you an opportunity to connect with with the world out there. I mean, I've met some incredible people in Cape because I would always have friends are you in Cape Coast? I said, yes. Oh, I have a friend from this part of the world visiting Cape Coast. Would you mind meeting him and showing him around? I mm. said, sure. And what's been interesting is because I grew up in Cape Coast, if I ever did a city tour with anyone, they're sure to get a lot more than just a visit to the castle. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know, that, I know the city. So yeah, I think you're right. It, there has to be a point where the tourism board or the tourism agency, but more importantly, there has to be a plan that fits into a broader developmental agenda, mm. you know, with what happens with cities on the periphery, like Cape Coast, Amina, incredible, and all along the coast, all these incredible places, Anumapo, yeah, outside, you know, the, the convention of Accra. Yeah.
0: So cool. Thank you very much. I think let's end uh, let's end on that tour that tourism that tourism note.
1: Thank you so much, Kojo. I really appreciate this.
0: The Listen to Your Footsteps Podcast is produced by Zebra Culture. If you have ideas of what we can do better, people you'd like us to have a conversation with, or would just like to share a thought, you can email me on info at zebraculture.com. To check out past episodes, go to kojobuffer.com slash podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. If you'd like to get a copy of the book, Listen to Your Footsteps, check out kojabuffer.com book. There are details on the various spaces it's available at. I'd also appreciate it if you could leave a review or comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, there's the Zebra Culture by Kojabuffer newsletter where on a weekly basis, I share a curated list of articles, playlists, videos, etc. that have caught my attention. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it.